Amen. Good singing this morning. If you would, take your Bibles or turn into your app to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 15. I don't know what happened to my voice in the last uh, 10-15 minutes, but something has happened to it. Yeah, I guess it's from... Going a week without singing, I was singing too hard, Michael said. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 through 15. We're still on our series of looking at what if. And looking at things in the Bible that you could say are iffy. There's nothing really iffy in the Bible. Everything is pretty clear. But when I say iffy, those things that the Bible says, if we do this, or if this occurs. And so we're looking at the what ifs in the Bible. And this morning I want to look at, what if I forgive like Jesus forgives? What if I forgive like Jesus forgives? That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? To say that we should forgive is one thing, but to say that I should forgive like Jesus forgives kind of brings the elevation and the expectation of forgiveness. But as Christians... We are never more like Jesus Christ than when we forgive. That was the whole mission of Jesus come on the earth so that we might receive forgiveness and that God might forgive us of our sins and that we might come into a right relationship with God the Heavenly Father. So as Christians, we're never more like Jesus than when we are practicing forgiveness in our own personal life. So forgiveness reflects Jesus Christ in us. It lets other people around us see Jesus in us when we are showing forgiveness. And I want you to listen to this scripture in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 through 15. And it kind of gives us in just these two verses a powerful understanding of the impact of whether we forgive or not forgive. And here's what it says. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses or their sins. And I want to pause there for just a second because the word that in the King James, the New King James, is translated as trespasses and in the NIV is translated as sin is the word paratoma. And the word paratoma is translated, just like I just said, as trespasses or sins. The thing that in our minds sometimes when today's terms, when we hear the word trespasses, we're thinking, okay, if someone invades my turf, that's a trespass. We will sometimes, even as a church, when we're out visiting and inviting people to activities of our church, and when we've done some neighborhood uh, surveys and so forth, occasionally you'll run across a house or some property that will have a sign that says, no trespassing. And most everybody knows what that sign means. That means if you want to walk down the road, you're fine. If you want to go on somebody else's property, fine. But don't step on my turf. Don't invade my territory. Don't come on my land. No trespassing. So when we see the word trespasses, our minds are thinking to invade someone's property, to invade someone's space, to invade their life in some way. They're basically saying, I want to be private, so stay out of my privacy zone. When we think of sins, we think, okay, someone has done something against God's Word. And so if we read this for, if you forgive men their sins, then we're thinking, okay, 
I've got to forgive someone for a sin that they have committed that would go against God's Word. What is unique in this word peritoma is that when it was written in the original Greek language, the grammatic structure of it was that it was written in an accusative form of grammar. Which means when it says, for if you forgive men or other people their trespasses or sins, it's saying if you forgive people for any accusations they've got against you or you've got against them. Accusations takes it to a whole other category and that may mean, and if you, I want you to listen real carefully, an accusation may mean there's not certain proof that there's been something wrong, but you feel like something has done wrong. So I say all that to say that the Bible is in the way that it was written in the Greek language is encompassing a big scope of if someone has invaded your turf, if someone has sinned against God's Word against you, if there is some accusation someone has against you or you have against them, but there's not exact proof, there's just accusations, these Scriptures apply to express forgiveness. So let's go to that verse 14 again. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Oh, how'd God get in there? If, if I forgive someone who has sinned against me or trespassed against me, someone there's some accusations against one another, then my heavenly Father, God the Father, is going to forgive me? How did He jump in this equation? It was just me and them. Now God's involved in this. But verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, now, now God has really jumped in this equation. I've got some issues going on with somebody of either they've invaded my turf or they've gone against God's Word and sinned against me or they, we've got some accusations going on here. And it's saying that if I don't deal with this and express forgiveness, there's also an issue between me and God. There's a third part of the equation. Now I said that for us to forgive like Jesus, we are never more like Jesus Christ than when we express forgiveness or we give forgiveness to someone else. And I was looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32, and I think... In those verses, it gives us this kind of vast difference between forgiving and not forgiving. And it kind of throws it into the category of not forgiveness is this category which grieves the Holy Spirit, which brings about anger and bitterness. And then there's this other category of forgiveness, kindness, tenderheartedness, that pleases the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what this says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God who, when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, marked you as a child of God and that you are sealed, which means you are secure in your salvation till you arrive in heaven. So don't grieve this Holy Spirit that gave you that Redemption. Verse 31 says, Let all bitterness... Now here's this wording that's grouped together. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see those two broad spectrums, those words of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice, that's unforgiveness. But then forgiveness goes with being kind and tender-hearted, and it throws that side in just as Christ forgave you and I. The Bible is not only just telling us that we should practice this so that we please God's Spirit, but it's telling us we've already experienced it ourselves. I don't know if any of you are like this, this, but sometimes it just gets in my mind of the things that I've done, the sins that I've committed, what I truly deserve, and it makes no matter difference how sinful you've been in the past or how good you've been in the past. The Bible tells us that one sin separates us from God and that we're deserving of the place called hell. So any person that's been forgiven of any sin has gone from, when they receive Christ, has gone from a destiny of deserving hell to being a free gift of heaven. And when I think about the things that I've done and how much I deserve hell, but I have received forgiveness undeservingly from Jesus Christ, and now I have heaven, I am reminded of how great my forgiveness has been. I'm standing here as a testimony myself that I understand how much God forgave me. And so how can I not be willing to give that to someone else and to say that they don't deserve it? So forgiveness reflects Christ in us and we are never more like Christ than when we forgive. In Colossians 3.13 it says this, that we're to bear with one another, forgive one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you, and this is in the New King James, and in the New King James you'll see these last two words, must do in italics, which means that those scholars who were in, trying to interpret the clear grammar and the wording of the original text, the original text didn't say these two words, but the way the grammar was put, they felt compelled that it must be added in there to understand the grammar of the original language. And so in the King, New King James, it says, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. So it wasn't written that it was a commandment, but they, when they studied the original structure, it was almost this compelling of that needs to be in there so that people understand you got to do it. It's part of living the Christian life. So for me to live in a life of forgiveness like Jesus forgives, there's some principles that I need to learn about forgiveness. And we've learned forgiveness from what Jesus showed us by His own example, right? What did He do that showed forgiveness? And by what is said in the Scriptures, just like I read about forgiveness. So here's a principle that I learned from Jesus. Forgiveness is a choice I must make to be like Jesus. Now, when I accepted Jesus Christ, I became a Christian, and the word Christian is not just a term, but it has a meaning, right? To be like Christ. Or in its clearest translation, little Christ is what we are. So if I'm saying I'm a Christian, then I'm to be like Christ, and forgiveness is a choice I must make to be like Jesus. Jesus. 
If I want to be a Christian, if I want to be like Christ, if I want to be like Jesus, then forgiveness is a choice that I've got to make. And in the scriptures that I just read to you in Matthew chapter 14, you'll notice in the translation that I read, it says, for if. Verse 15 says, but if. And there was a negative and a positive, choosing to do or not to do. It was a choice, right? God in these scriptures, sometimes I think, why didn't he just say, I command you to forgive? But he made it a choice. You and I have been given a choice to choose to forgive or not to forgive. But the Bible is telling us very clearly that forgiveness is a choice that I must make if I want to be like Jesus. And I thought about that. Okay, we learned from Jesus' example, so let's go to Jesus' life. Let's go to the cross. Why don't we do that this morning? We see the cross on the wall back there. Let's go to the cross and see if Jesus showed forgiveness there because He got pretty badly beaten, pretty badly roughed up, pretty bad accusations against Him. Remember the word accusing is the grammar it was written in. So we go to Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 and I read these words that Jesus said on the cross, hanging there after being beaten the life out of Him, body ripped open, taking His last breath, nailed to a cross naked with three nails holding Him there. And Jesus says this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That's forgiveness, isn't it? Forgiveness is a choice that Jesus made on the cross. And so if I want to be like Jesus and forgive like Jesus did, then I've got to remember that for me, forgiveness is a choice I must make to be like Jesus. I can't choose to be angry, bitter, harbor feelings, hold things back. I love the uh, expression that was put there in Ephesians where it said, be tenderhearted in Colossians. And the Bible talks about the heart. And it says that the heart can be hard-hearted or it can be tender-hearted. Bitterness, anger leads to a hardening of the heart. Forgiveness and bearing with one another, patience leads to a tender heart. So if I want to be like Jesus, if I want to forgive like Jesus did, then I need to learn from His example and that is forgiveness is a choice that I must make to be like Jesus and that Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Now, Jesus could have taken vengeance. The Bible tells us that He could have called legions of angels to come to His rescue. But yet He didn't do that. He said, forgive them. And we can read in the Bible and say, you know, well, the Bible says an eye for an eye, two for two. So if someone does damage against me, I have the right to do damage against them. But in Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And so vengeance is not for us to take. Revenge is not for us but it's for God to take care of, isn't it? The Bible even says that when we leave vengeance in God's hands and we forgive, it's like heaping coals of fire on someone's head. Not that we want to do that, but that's a great... When we express forgiveness, we're leaving the vengeance in God's hands at the greatest extent. So if I'm going to forgive like Jesus forgives, forgiveness is a choice that I must make to be like Jesus. But also forgiveness is a condition to having great relationships. You can't have great relationships in any form, 
in a husband-wife relationship, a parent-child relationship, fellow Christians within the church body, people that we work with, our neighbors, even with God, we cannot have great relationships without forgiveness. And to go back to the verses I read in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and verse 15, it says, if you forgive people their sins and trespasses, the Heavenly Father will forgive you. So if I forgive others, I'm going to have a better relationship with God because it tells me in the next verse that if I don't forgive people their sins, neither will God the Father forgive me of my sins or my trespasses. Now, I don't know if anybody, if that affects you like it has over the years in my heart and my mind, but here's what it clearly tells me. If Brett Yeager is not willing to forgive someone else for anything that they have done that has hurt me, that has offended me, that has invaded my turf, if I am not willing to forgive them, I might as well forget asking God to forgive me of the other issues because I'm not willing to forgive someone else. The Bible even tells us that before you bring your offerings to the Lord, if there's an issue between you and someone else, you better go deal with that first before you bring your offerings to the Lord. I look at that and I have to say, yeah, it's a pretty serious matter in God's eyes, isn't it? And it's a matter that if I want to have the right relationships, i got to forgive. Now I want you to listen to this very carefully. I've come to understand over the years that within Christianity, we are very good at cover-up. Did you hear, would you say that with me? Cover up. We are very good at cover up. Now I'm not talking about makeup, that you cover up your freckles or your wrinkles, but it's that same principle. Within Christianity, we'll like, I'll go good, I'll smell good, I'll look good, I'll smile good, I'll act good, but I'm still holding some hard feelings towards you. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to say anything because I've covered it up. I'm just going to ignore it. You know what? You cannot ignore it. Because as long as it's there, no matter how much you try to cover it up, with whatever smiles, whatever handshakes, whatever turning of the head, God still knows it's there. Would you say amen to that? Now you may think nobody else knows about it, but God knows about it. So if you've kind of covered up some issues between you and a brother or sister in Christ... Or maybe you've covered up some things between you and your spouse or you and your parents or you and your child and you think, okay, I'm just ignoring it. I'm just not going to bring it up. I'm not going to say nothing about it. Just cover it up. It is hindering the relationship that God wants you to have with Him and with others. And no matter how much makeup you want to put over it, you will never have the relationship that God wants you to have in a marriage in a family, in a church body, until you deal with issues that you've been covering up. Forgiveness is a condition to having great relationships and it's revealed to us right here in the Scriptures in Matthew 6 and verses 14 and 15. If we're going to have bad relationships with other people, our relationship with God is not going to be what it should be. There's a barrier between us. And I don't know about you, but that puts shocking reality into me. I don't want to go out living my life and not know that God's hand is upon me, guiding me, directing me. I don't want to go out living my life not feeling like God's healing and blessings upon me all because I've got an issue or an accusation or feel like my turf has been invaded with someone else and I'm covering it up. 
The Bible tells us that God knows the very depths of our heart. He knows every aspect of our life. So if I want to forgive like Jesus forgives, I got to understand that forgiveness is a condition to having great relationships. But I want to give you this last thing this morning, and that is this principle that I've learned from Jesus' example and from the Scriptures, and that is forgiveness is a continual process I must practice. Forgiveness is a continual process. It's not like, okay, I'll forgive you one time, but don't you mess up again. Some of you may have heard the expression before when somebody does something to you, say, okay, do something to me once, shame on you, but do it to me twice, shame on me for letting you do it to me twice. That's not a principle of God. Here's a question that Peter asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Now remember, this is Peter who denied Jesus. And in Matthew 18 and verses 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? So Peter said, Lord, okay, you've said I need to forgive people when they trespass or sin against me. So if my brother sins against me, how often should I forgive him? How many times do I have to forgive him? Maybe seven times? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because seven in the Bible represents completion. So I've given him a complete chance, all right? And here's what Jesus said to him. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, if it, was, if it really means that, now some have taken that as seven plus, 70 plus seven, but if it means 70 times seven, if my math is right, that's 490 times. Now, probably the only people that can say they've forgiven one particular person 490 times is probably somebody that's been married a lot of years and has had to forgive their husband 490 times. Other than that, it's not very likely that you've forgiven somebody 490 times. So it's the Lord saying, okay, start your tally wall inside your closet. You know, sometimes people have closets where they keep up with how, mark how tall their kids have been growing at a certain age. So God's not saying, okay, open up your little tally closet and put down, forgave you once, twice, Three times, 489. Last chance, buddy. You're going down. It's not what God's saying. God's saying it's endless. 70 times 7 means it's ongoing. It is a continual process that you and I must practice. Now here's what the unique thing is that Jesus continued to say. He said, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle accounts, there was one who was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a very large sum. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and his children and all that they had and that payment be made. So he said, okay, you owe me 10,000 talents. You don't have the money. I'm going to sell you, your wife and your children. Take what money I get from being sold as slaves and we'll count the debt paid. No longer dealing with you. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved. Listen, listen. Was moved with compassion. Here's an important word. Released him. Set him free. And forgave him the debt. But that servant, that same servant that had just been forgiven, 
went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, much smaller amount. He owed 10,000 talents. He had a servant that owed him 100 denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then the original master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Here's a question. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? Same thing God the Father is going to treat us if we don't from our own heart. You see, forgiveness is a heart issue, isn't it? And you know, I asked you to listen to that statement about the master who had compassion and he released him, he set him free. I want you to remember this statement. Forgiveness releases a prisoner to be free and that prisoner is me. Because the only person that is in prison when there's a lack of forgiveness is not the other person, but it's the person who is imprisoned in bitterness and anger and wrath. Forgiveness releases a prisoner to be free and that prisoner is me. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus hanging on the cross had a lot of reasons not to forgive. He'd been yelled at. He'd been made fun of. He'd been beaten. He'd been smacked around, spit on, tortured, tormented, embarrassed, insulted, cursed. And yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. What was Jesus doing? He was setting them all free. And he was keeping himself free. When you and I hang on to resentment, anger, when we try to cover up things and say, okay, I'm not angry, I'm just not going to deal with it. You're in prison. And forgiveness sets a prisoner free. And that prisoner is me. Today, if you've got some things in your heart, if you've got some things covered up that you haven't given someone forgiveness, would you choose to be set free this morning? Even if you don't want to choose it for the other person, understand that you're in prison right now for not giving forgiveness. You're in prison in your relationship with God is separated. You're in prison in the feelings that you have had. You're in prison from the blessings that God wants you to have. So would you this morning make a choice? I'm going to set somebody free. And that person's me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that this morning, God, may we understand that we are never more like you. We're never more like Jesus Christ than when we express and experience forgiveness. And Lord, my prayer is that if there's someone who has harbored anger and bitterness, 
Lord, that they're getting free from that today. Lord, if for someone who's covered it up, they've put the makeup on it, it's still there, it's still a freckle, it's still a wrinkle in their life, it's still a blemish, but they've covered it up so nobody's seeing it. But the truth is, it's still there. Lord, my prayer is today that we'll understand the freedom, the joy, the relief, the great relationships that can be there when we give forgiveness. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you never received Jesus Christ's forgiveness in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer right in your heart right now where you're at. Because the greatest forgiveness is the forgiveness of all your sins for all of eternity. Sealed for redemption. Would you just ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please cleanse my heart? Because today, I want to accept you as my personal Savior. If you prayed that prayer, if you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you told Him you wanted Him as your personal Savior, while nobody's looking around, would you just slip up your hand just a moment and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus in my heart. Yes, thank you. Maybe there's some here today that you know you're a Christian, but there's a lack of forgiveness in your heart and in your life. And today you want to release yourself from being in prison. You want to uncover the makeup and know the joy and the blessings that God has for you and have that right relationship with God and that right relationship with others. If there's a need that you express forgiveness to someone or some way, you want me to pray for you, would you just slip up your hand right quickly and just put it right back down? Yes, yes, yes. Lord, I thank you, God, for those who are open and honest. And God, I pray that right now that you would meet with them. God, that you would just uh, do a healing work in their life. God, I know that the person, whether they were the ones that were done wrong or were the ones who did wrong to someone else, the one who chooses to take action on forgiveness is the one who is blessed most. So God, set them free. Give them the blessings they deserve because they take the step of obedience. They make it a choice. They're making it a condition to have a right relationship. They're doing it because they know it's a part of being continually walking with you. Lord, I pray that you'd set them free today. In your name I pray, amen.